Welcome again to the Tag Your A Podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am Dave. Man, this has been a great Memorial Day. One of the best yes. I've ever had. You know, in fact, I just thought about this, and a lot of people don't know this. So, seven years ago, on Memorial Day, I almost died. I fell 50 feet off of a building and landed on my feet. And I guess I could have, like, maybe someday we'll do a show and I can talk about it a little bit more, but... Uh, uh, seven years ago at this time, I was on my way to, I was probably in ICU at um, Stormont Vale Hospital in Topeka, Kansas, and they didn't know if I was going to live, if I was going to die. whole lot of people showed up and prayed for me. Uh, one of my good friends from Springfield, Andrew Frisbee, as soon as he heard about my accident, he was sitting in the mud house, drove to Topeka, Kansas, and uh, stayed the night there talking with me, and then, of course, Dane Christian Cockrell was another guy who showed up. Mark Roberts uh, was another guy who showed up. My good friend Nathan Ross. And uh, I was just about as nuts as could be. My mom was on the way back from a mission trip in Canada. And uh, right before she got on the plane, she heard from my dad, Hey, Dave, had this big accident and he fell and uh, things aren't looking real good. So uh, when she got to the hospital, I was hooked up to 10 machines. I don't remember a whole lot. But I will say, I kept thinking, well, this is not very good, but it's going to get better. And so there you go. Yeah. There's a little bit of the story. Uh, today I sit here in no pain. I do have a little bit of a residual with my foot, but it'll get better. And that is great. So always think I live past my expiration date. Yeah, so, but yeah. Uh, you don't get to say when your That's expiration right. date is. Only God That's does. Right. And That's so right. you're here by the grace of God for the purpose that God has you for. That's and, right. uh, you know, part of that history is tag your it. Amen. And I get to be a part of that too. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's awesome. And so, yeah. So, um, continuing on, you know, for the podcast listeners, this is again part of the longest live cast we've ever done. And, uh, yeah, I've had to drink a lot of water and my voice, uh, <clears throat> you can sort of tell. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's if, totally I mean, cool. It's totally cool. Sorry now, if your voice has been a little rough. A, hey, um, that's okay. I would rather, uh, you know, go horse. By uh, talking about the Bible and Amen. doing apologetics, than uh, doing anything uh, else that would uh, make me hoarse um, in that in that case. Even though, so know. here's the thing that's crazy to me. Like here, we're we're going to be going into hour four. We are in hour four right now, technically. Yeah. Right. So there are some folks who do like three hour shows every day. Yeah. Like it. I can see Dang. how you could do it. I could see how it could be fun. I could see you know. We still have a lot to talk about. Like every single guest we've had, we could have continued on, which is a cool thing. And I hope that it's been uh, a powerful resource for folks. Switching channels real quick. How many episodes have we done at this particular point? We've uh, got to be... 135, 136. Oh man, we're getting up on 150. We're going to have to do something <sighs> special for 150. It'll be here before 150. long. 150. Yes, we will do it. And uh, if you guys uh, ever have any ideas for like anniversaries or special moment shows, let us know. Yes. Um, we'll come up with something, no matter what. But we would like your input. We like you. We love you. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, the, the 100th is- episode was the meme theology takedown. So, if there's anything like that we can do, or maybe we can change to the pulpit crime idea. You know, Ooh, a I like show that. of pulpit crimes, crimes where yeah. we, uh, we can, like, shotgun 
pulpit crimes or something like that. <laughs> no, that'd be a lot of stinking research. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do memes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, with that said, do you want to go into a meme theology? Um, or do you want to let's just, just jump right down to okay. this? Yeah, All because right. li- I think we are going to have plenty of stuff yeah, we'll here, have, man. And yeah. what we'll do is we'll hit a meme theology not next week, but the week after okay, that. Okay, we so promise you guys some meme theology. So this is four shows that we've done without a meme. It's time for meme theology next time. So I just wanted to give that. Um, you know, since this is the live thing, it's informal. I didn't know. We've been trying to get a meme in sometime today, but sorry, guys. So, Adam, I'm time. just thinking about when we were in the basement. There was no live stream. We were just in the basement. We'd come down here and we'd talk yeah. in your in your basement in the little corner with the blankets around us. And uh, now look at this. You've got this nice microphone. Yeah. This room has lighting. I mean, gosh, you got the expensive lighting, the oh, sound dampering lighting. equipment. <laughs> Nothing is expensive, but we do say again, thank you to Jack Coltis and his church um, oh, for yes. Amen. this little stand and that stand and this, you know, and there's a couple other things. But yeah, we want to say thank you to those who support us um, and, you know, just one time little deals. That's that's awesome. Um, we're thankful and grateful. And, uh, you know, knowing that we've got partners in ministry that actually like this and and uh, want to support it. So, yeah, we thank that. But anyway, um, so what we wanted to do um, is we got to continue. And um, one thing that I want to say is uh, I think a guy named Ray Williams has, uh, um, he was like, you know, why didn't you attack? Why didn't you attack? And so, you know, this is something of our fault. Um, it was a really hard discussion, again, with uh, Dr. Howe and Adam Tucker. Um, there was so much said, and uh, there was, you know, the proposition of having inerrancy to be talked about. And again, we didn't talk about inerrancy. It was, to me, and, you know, if we're going to have this, we've had this dialogue going on for a few weeks online, you know, and like we've been told about our tone and, and uh, some other little things against us. And, you know, and, and we have to accept the fact that we did fail to deal with Romans one. Yep. We should have hit that. And so, yep. you know, that's one of those things that we should have, but, but again, at the same time, I want to say in my defense, I go into the debate loaded up with inerrancy stuff, like having yeah. just read a whole bunch on inerrancy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm not exaggerating having spent the last two months before that, like three months before that. In fact, actually starting in October, up until then, of course, I prepared nothing, you know, from October until January when I debated Phil, right? That was all inerrancy study, right? Then after that, I was like, well, obviously, we've got to work this into a seminary class. So everything was inerrancy study then. So then we get into the debate, and yeah, these scriptures are dropped, but my mind is like diverting to go to the inerrancy discussion. If you listen to the, the very, the time that I respond to Dr. Howe, I try to turn everything back to inerrancy. And I'm not, I don't think that there was anything deceptive in any of their. Yeah, because it'd have been really awesome for us to be able to go here, here as presuppositionalists, how we arrive or start from um, inerrancy. And uh, all they wanted to do was pound us just on apologetic methodology, though that was a part, supposed to be a part of the discussion. Yeah. Again, we were trying not to lift one part above each other and actually have a discussion about what we talked about and so basically they didn't give us what dr howe did whenever he had this discussion with oliphant and jason lyle to where everybody had a part of how yeah. they get how do we get to creation yeah how do we get to inerrancy and it was just uh you know in a way it, and we're not saying it um like you know just we're not we're not coming with vitriol but you know it's no. like you know we we were we there there is a tendency for people to think that 
it was just a beatdown of some no name apologists. Which it that's all it was was supposed to be because I think we defended ourselves well. No, but you know it is is one of those things. Like every time that we talked, it was seen not just by us but by other listeners that every time we tried to make a positive case, we just got interrupted. Which is you know, and that's just the nature. We're just taking it. That's the nature of technology. That's why churches can't be done over Zoom meetings. That's why these kind of discussions can't take place in a Facebook comment box, or it's really hard to do it over the phone. But you know, that's just the way we have to do. do this kind of a thing um, unless if we can meet in person and have a discussion if you want <laughs> which yep. we would totally be we'll into go, we'll, but anyway we'll be glad to go yeah. to, to north carolina i have a yeah. home there so we'll be glad to go to sweet. north carolina we can stay there sweet but anyway yeah. um we do want to deal with romans one through three and um you know and galatians four that is up there too um in the mix but uh you know they're we believe that they mishandled or dr howe definitely just this or mishandled the text there and so we've got to, we really got to get into the study of how, um, what this text says, um, about, uh, the knowledge of God and if people know how people know and all that kind of stuff. And so really, I mean, we can, in this episode, we're just going to really just, just walk through the text. We're going to start right. with what he says so that we can, uh, you know, but we don't want to lift up straw men. If you say that well, we're lifting up straw men, please. Let us know what that is instead yeah, of just telling specific. me we're straw manning. I want to be yeah. specific because yeah. a claim for straw man is different than like, this is how you misrepresented me specifically, and here is how you beat up the false response. Yeah. That is demonstrating a straw man rather than saying, oh, that's just a straw man. I need to watch yeah. Yeah, but but that's but that's what it is. I mean, you can tell us we're straw manning. So, like I said, I know Adam Tucker's like, well, if it seems like we're two ships passing the night, how can we have a part two? Well, I told him again. I was like, well, now we have a basis of that discussion. Where have we missed each other? Let's go to Romans. Let's let's redo this. And if we want to, you know, let's come back together and discuss Romans one. We would love to. And here's our Romans one. Yeah, here's our uh, here's our and and they know they should know from who we read and who we study. Um, what we mean when we talk about Romans one. Um, so let's uh, let's start with the uh, podcast. Uh, just kind of where that picks up. Get uh, How's rendition of it, and uh, we'll go from there. Oh God, and we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's verse eighteen of Romans chapter one. But what I would suggest that the person do that that picks that verse up is continue the argument through Romans one. Because what you'll find is it's not merely people know there's a God and they suppress that truth. That's true enough, as Romans 1, uh, 18 and 21 tell us. But then it goes on to say in verse 23 that that same man, and by the way, whether we think this is a universal statement of the human race or a general statement of the human race, or Paul's talking about a particular episode, we can have that conversation. For the sake of argument, I'll grant that Paul is speaking generally about the human race, because obviously when the chapter goes we're on, on the to same say page. everybody, we're on the same page in that. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say, I have not encountered anyone who has said he's talking about a one singular specific case. Like that just does yeah. not seem at all part of the context. I, I'm curious who it is that he's read that said that he's obviously better read than I am on yeah. things like that, but I've never heard anyone preach that way. I've never read any in any commentary that way um, at all, and so I would be very hesitant to embrace the idea that this is talking about a singular individual. That just seems singular awesome. individual or singular singular group of people or whatever. And I mean, that would just contradict the whole um, thing about Romans because 
Paul in Romans is trying to put things together, um, and he's making a lot of universal claims. Um, yeah. He's making uh, something about, you know, we have particulars, but here's how they're treated commonly. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that would just go against the, the flow of what Paul's trying to say here. Anyway. Collapses into homosexuality. I don't think even a presuppositionalist would say every atheist around you is homosexual. Even there though that's the argument. There is a red herring. Yeah. That is a red herring. Why would I call that an informal fallacy of red herring? What is trying to be done there is, ah, see, you wouldn't apply this to everyone, this idea, but that wouldn't be what we would ever state anyways, right? That's beside the point, and that has nothing to do with what we are claiming, and again, what Scripture claims. That's not the argument Paul's making. We wouldn't chase that. That's silly. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, is if you read, like Dr. House says, if you read through, um, it ends up talking about some particular situations, and then it talks about the whole of the wickedness wickedness of man. Um, But there is a reason why Paul has put this here, is because the handing over turns into them reversing the order because they hate God, and they don't like God's orders. They want their order um, autonomously (laughs) Mm. in their autonomy. And they and then living lifting up their reason and and what they want to do um, because reason is and will are interconnected though they're distinct which is the problem in this debate um, you know it's it's a reversal he's showing the reversal of God's created order the created good um, that turns into whenever you exchange the truth for a lie all makes of this chain but I think he's making a sort of generalized statement but. We can have that debate in a minute. Let me just finish this last point then, or flesh it out, or complete it. But not only do they know God and suppress the truth, verse 23 says they changed the glory of God uh, into the uh, the incorruptible God, into the corruptible. Then exchange. So they ex- they changed? No, they, well, to, let's go with the text. It says exchanged. If we're going to just go with English in verse 23, I think he said. Let me try to find that. Looking for that number. So, yeah. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. So, they became idolaters. They can't get away from their worshiping that they know they need to do. They can't get away from that. And they exchange because they don't want God. They find something else to worship. But they can't get away from it. Why? Because they're made in the image of God and they were made to worship. And it comes out, they know they are made to worship, or else they wouldn't worship things. <laughs> the truth of God for a lie, and then in verse 28, did not retain the knowledge of God. So, Yeah, that is very interpretive. Very interpretive, and we'll get there. But um, they didn't retain. That is not in That's the not what it says. all the idea, again. Any translation is not going to give you that retain. No, no. That's not what Paul is making as an argument. It's very, very clear. The line of thought would be contradictory to what he has said before. If he were to say, because his argument is, they don't have an excuse. Why do I say that? He carries that on through Romans 2 and 3. They don't have an excuse. They're held accountable. Because they they know. know. They know. Not that they gave up, because again, you've now presupposed, yes, 
there are presuppositions on the other position. You have now presupposed that they had the ability on their own behalf to give up the knowledge of God. Yeah, how, they, how can you get rid of something that God has placed in you? So, I, I mean, do you like having power over God? I mean, that's, that's what man is trying to do, and that's uh, what that apologetic system lets man have. Exactly. I'm going to let you have authority over God. I'm going to let you judge God's existence. That's our problem with the classical and evidential um, approaches is because you give the person that's in rebellion against God the, the okay to be the judge over God's truth. They did not give up. It doesn't say no. It doesn't that they say no. They they up. didn't find it worthwhile. I mean, this is the CSB. Um, they didn't want to acknowledge God, um, but it doesn't mean they didn't retain. They they stopped retaining the knowledge of God. And unfortunately, as Doctor Howe would say, and I'm you know you can call me sarcastic. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just pointing out from the other side they're saying the same thing. They're saying if you read through the text, if you keep going. This is a, you know, this is kind of a persuasive trick um, that you can utilize to get people to think. But if you keep going, you stopped at 28, Dr. Howe. But if you go to 32, it says after, after all the handings over, after the exchange of truth for a lie, after the handings over, um, after they found it not worthwhile to acknowledge God, guess what it says in verse 32? It says, although they know God's just sentence decree is the, Greek Bingo. underneath that That's decree. Key. They know the decree and it's key there because now it is not speaking of natural revelation. It is talking about what has been spoken. They know it because God has spoken it to them. Yes. And so now, although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die. So the decree is God's covenantal sanction against what they are doing and they don't find it worthwhile. And so they suppress the truth about it. They try to callous themselves against it because they love sin. They hate God and they want to sin, but they, it's called cognitive dissonance, right? That God hands people over to and hardens them to destroy them and allows their actions to destroy themselves. There you go. And so they know God's penal sanction against what they do, yet they do it and they applaud others to do it as well. So again, Continue in, don't just, as you've said before, I can prove text too. I can prove text too, but yeah, if you keep on reading. so That's um, right. Yeah, see if he says anything else on this here real quick. Even though it starts out, they know God and they suppress it. It ends that they know God God and suppress suppress it. it. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem with your system. You've removed that because you've actually reworded verse 28. Mm-hmm. And forgot verse thirty-two. Yeah, Your so system I think, has I think, to. Yeah, if you look at the literal kind of Greek transmission or tran, you know the, the the Greek words underlying this, you know, it's because they um, because they want to have not knowledge or something like that, you know. But it doesn't imply anything. They just don't want to recognize God's authority. That is what this verse is saying. That's why the English translations are worded the way they are that's why they don't say because they didn't want to retain the knowledge in the same in the sense of they could exit the knowledge out of themselves it's just really interesting if god puts something in you that you can take it away 
like that. You um, can take it away yeah. because that would again yeah. devalue the entire argument that's being made. Yeah, and, to, and you know, then put the nail in the head in, in uh, Romans two in the next chapter because what what this is uh, twenty eight is actually its own thing. Um, that is a transitionary piece to get to uh, Romans two, where we find out that the Gentile knows the law of God because it's written on his heart. And so, if you you know, he's talking to the Jews. You know, if you see the Gentiles acting as though um, they're obedient to the law, yet they have not been given the covenantal law like the Jews, but they do it. They act as though they're a law unto themselves, right? Verse 14, Exposing. for when Gentiles do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written where on their hearts, hmm. while their conscience also bear, conscience also bear witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus, Christ Jesus. What? 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 Keep reading. Isn't that Keep the reading. idea? Keep reading. It's very clear that you cannot say that the argument and and be consistent. You cannot say that the argument being built is not that men again. Men know the truth. They're held accountable to the truth. Why? Because God is covenantal. He entered into covenant with his creation by being the creator. They know they're created, but not just that. They also are able to know morals and know what is right and wrong. Why? Because God created them. Not because they have some natural reasoning. Not because they have some natural... Because... God has has given them everything, and they are suppressing the truth yeah. in sin. Yeah, and so, you know, um, I, I know I made a meme or whatever, or not, not necessarily a meme, I used a Facebook kind of background, and, you know, it makes it look like a meme anyway. And I know Adam asked me about what I meant. I was like, well, let's have a part two, because I really, really want to discuss with you guys, instead of just having, like, flame wars online, and well, I don't want to start that. Um, <clears throat> I'd like... Sh- like to have more, another conversation where we can deal with these, but you know, this is why I said that uh, we conflate that they conflate reason, the actual ability to reason that we all have as image bearers of God um, that God has given us um, to use to His uh, glory. Um, they they uh, they conflate reasoning with the ability to reason. So reason reasoning requires law, and that law has to be in submission to God. And his law, because he cannot lie, right? Which is again an ontological statement. And because God can't lie, because God does not lie, that's the way it's supposed to be reflected in us that we are not to lie. Um, God is the ground for morality in His person ontologically. Um, so you know that's you know how we know these things is because of His person, and. Uh, that's where epistemology has to start is in the ontological and economical trinity. That's right. Wait to say, way yeah. to say that, Adam. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, continue on. I hope me tightening this yeah. up like this was okay. I didn't, You're good. Yeah. All right. Good. good. And that knowledge of God is, is jettisoned nope. from, from the uh, unbeliever. Nope. It's enough initially to render him guilty in rebellion, but his sin eventually evacuates 
what knowledge he might have had. So it is where does that where does that yeah. come from in scripture at all? Yeah. So you're saying they that sin po- evacuates it, not God. So now sin as a concept, you see, you're an idealist. You're not dealing with scripture. You're just making up concepts. The concept of sin here. No, sin does not have enough power to get rid of what God has put in you. And it's not in the text either. In fact, it's your sin that leaves you without an excuse. Yeah. That's the issue. Because you know you're in sin. God gave you over to your sin. So now, yo, that's that's a mechanism. That's a mechanistic view. So if something um, like sin can knock the knowledge out of you and you literally can say, I don't know, then you have no excuse, sir. That's your problem. You've twisted the text to where that's the logical outcome of your position. But I understand you're not willing to go that far. Agreed. And so it's okay. It's okay. All right, again, I'm not trying to straw man. I'm not trying to um, arm wrestle you. That is I'm not flushing to, out the position. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wanting to say. You know, I'm not wanting to be like you're. You're not my brother anymore. No, 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 no. And I understand. You know, like it, it, this is just all tradition. This is just all tradition. And uh, I'm sorry, Thomas Aquinas was a Catholic. Well, and, <laughs> you know, and when, and I didn't. Even, now, when are we going to get to, to, to John <laughs> yeah. one? Because yeah. I'm man, Let's I'm keep ready. On going true anymore that there aren't atheists there are atheists in fact paul even calls uh uh the galatians before they were saved atheists no, no. he didn't <laughs> no he well does not. i mean if you're relying on uh yeah he doesn't he calls the people in galatians and so i looked this up because i was like so just letting you know if you go back and watch the video after he said all this stuff i'm like sitting here just like ramrod going like I have never heard this stuff before. And so like, I'm letting Dave talk about inerrancy over here and I'm like looking at stuff, just trying to, trying to read, where is it jettisoned? And then I go to Galatians. If you see me reading and like having a weird face in the video, I'm just like trying to go like, I have never heard this sort of uh, stuff before, but you know, Galatians is uh, where he goes. So after the debate, you know, and I want to take, I want to be teachable. So I keep my mouth shut on something I've never heard before for a while. And instead of just uh, just flying off the handle and making myself look stupid, um, I'm quick to think <laughs> and slow to speak. And so now I'm speaking so because I've never heard that Galatians before. Galatians atheists before they before they were saved. That would be in contradiction to what he's already said in Romans. Actually, he would have written Galatians before Romans, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, um. Good, I'm glad that you affirm me on yeah, that, I but I was so. pretty sure yeah. that, that Galatians uh, was written before. Yeah. Uh, but here's the deal. He's not going to contradict himself because the Holy Spirit inspired him. The Holy Spirit is God. God does not contradict himself. To contradict oneself would be to lie. Therefore, there is a hermeneutical consistency, a exegetical consistency uh, internally to yeah. this text. So are they, are they atheists in Galatians? Are they, is Paul calling them atheists? And atheists so this, in the way that we mean that yeah, either, yeah. because that would be crazy. Because remember, Christians were first called atheists. Yeah, I mean, I guess so if that's you can, a key piece there. You, you cannot use an, an anachronistic lens to look at this either. Yeah. Because if that's what you want to say, well, then the Romans called the Christians atheists. So, oh, they were atheists. Actually, wouldn't what, it be more not, true if they did not know God the way they would be more agnostic than atheist anyway? Yeah. So he doesn't even have the terms right. You know, so they'd be it'd be more kind to them to call them agnostic. They did not know they God. Not See, know. the atheist yeah. makes a positive claim. That's right. 
The agnostic don't just goes, Don't throw these things know. out as strawmen. These are real, actual, yeah, so, legitimate arguments. Yeah. I've given you historical context for the word atheist. I've also recognized that it would be inconsistent of Paul to call these individuals in the Church of Galatia, and actually Galatians was written to a large group, uh, if I remember right, as yeah. well, not directly to a, one specific church. Yeah, the uh, churches in Galatia. There you go. For him to call them atheist, as he writes this, and then change his mind and write Romans chapter 1 would be a contradiction. Therefore, Paul's <laughs> writings would not be canonical. I know that Dr. Howe does not believe that Paul would contradict himself. Yeah. So, to hold his position would then mean that Paul would have had to have changed his mind. Again, the term atheist in the way that we mean it wouldn't even be a correct word because that was, not, again, the Romans re- referred to the Christians as the atheist, right? Because they yeah. rejected all the Roman gods and Greek gods. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and here it says, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to do things that by nature, or the, or you were enslaved to things that by nature are not gods, which is very reminiscent of Romans here. Um, uh, but now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again? And so, I mean, there's a lot of context that needs to be unpacked here. Um, but the fact is, whenever we're talking about Romans, it starts out saying to the Jew first, then to the Greek. This is called covenant here that we need to deal with. And so why to the Jew first? Because God specially chose them, gave them the oracles. If you stay in Romans, you can say that uh, they were, they were given the oracles. Like, why is it so cool to be a Jew? Even though if your circumcision doesn't matter because of the gospel and stuff like that, why is it still cool to be a Jew? Well, you have the heritage of the oracles of God. You have the covenants and all that stuff. So whenever he goes to Galatians, if we're going to take, Paul not contradicting himself here if we're going to make things harmonize. Uh, he's saying in the past, since you didn't know God. So, what does he mean by didn't know God? He's an idiot. They, they actually use the word know is idio, idiote, idiotes, which is where we get our word idiot from. And so, they were idiots of God, right? How are they idiots of God? Is it a knowledge? Is it an intellectual thing? Well, no, it's not. Actually, the way Paul talks about it, he, he, he's a covenantal person. He was a Jew. He knows covenants. He knows the oracles. He knows his people. And so when he's talking to the Gentiles here, which the Galatians were Gentiles, this is, the, the, this is whom he, to whom he is speaking to, they didn't know God in that special form. And what is the difference between the Old Testament Israel and the gospel? God was giving it to the Jews first, and then it went to the Greeks, right? So this is a covenant. These are, this is covenantal language. You didn't know God. You were enslaved to things that by nature are not gods. Again, reminiscent of, of Romans one eighteen through 32 here. But now since you know God, and then he changes, it sounds you know, which is genotes, which then is the same word used um, like in, a, in that, you know, if you take the Septuagint, whenever you see the Gnosis come up, it actually, you know, comes from, they take the place of Yada in Hebrew, which is that relationship knowing. This is covenantal since you know God covenantally or rather have become known by God, because if we're going to talk about here, if they weren't known by God, if we're going to use that, this is just a knowledge thing. Then did God not know these people? Like, yes, let's just keep logic here or something. You know, that might be slightly uh, a stretch, but I understand. Really, no, no, it would be really key to, you cannot miss nine, but now that you have come to no know God. God or rather have become known by God. 
This is totally sets the context. This is that, a covenantal exactly. relationship. That is not, yeah. That is not saying you didn't know God in the did. same sense that Paul already lets, uh, that Paul later clarifies in Romans 1. So, in other words, to hold the position that he's calling them atheist, Paul has to contradict himself in Romans chapter 1. End of story. Why would I say that as well? Here's the other thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Very, very clear. The mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. Okay. God is very clear. Through Speaking through Paul. Everybody's in the flesh. Right? They're born yeah. in the flesh. They're born in Adam. Yes. They can't know the things of God. Does that mean that they don't know of God? No, Paul already told us before that they know God. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So then, your apologetic method is based upon the idea that I'm going to present enough evidence to convince that person who has a natural knowledge or a natural intuition or a natural theology, right, of being able to choose God. So is it pleasing for God? And this is a question that needs to be answered. Is it pleasing for God, for an individual, to assess evidence and then choose to follow Christ? If your answer is yes, then you need to throw Romans chapter 8, verse 8 out. Because those in the flesh cannot please God. Yeah. So, I mean... And you're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's means. Again, we can talk about means, and we just discussed it on the last program yeah. um, with John 3. You know, Nicodemus saw the works and noticed something. But then again, he was also a Jew who had the special knowledge of covenantal knowledge that was given to them that wasn't given to the Gentiles. That's why they're idiots, right? Covenantally idiots. Yes. Um, but it wasn't about the science. It was about the spirit. This is why they were so mad every time, you know, because we do sound like Phidias because Phidias just rest on, I'm not going to argue you spirit, spirit, spirit thing is about covenantalism presuppositionalism is we do give arguments there is we recognize that there should be this but then we make the distinction if we're talking to somebody um that believes or is showing signs of being a believer you know we we can operate differently depending on if we do see the spirit working and stuff but if we are in the face of utter unbelief whenever i'm talking um with my atheist friend that is just so hateful I'm not going to sit there and try to give them spiritual things. Nicodemus didn't even understand the earthly things or the spiritual things. That's right. And he was given the covenants. He was given the oracles. He was a leader. And Jesus brought him down to his foolishness in John 3. This is why I ended up starting with, you know, in the conversation with the ending of John 3. The people that don't want the word because, the you know, if you it, they don't want the light, right? And we know in Hebrews talks about that light that that word being the exposer that's why they want to avoid it and so you know there, there is that ethical thing that you know for some reason and this is you know when we're talking about dr richard toe and and that side side of things um and theologically and we we talk about the way that the uh, classical apologists abuse things you know they they still think our intellect is not fallen it did not experience anything in the fall it does not become bonded to the sinful will they keep that separate so you know there, there's always going to be some inconsistency that you're going to still need something from before the fall 
which is something that Richard didn't want to discuss anyway. I brought that up in the discussion and he was like, oh, yeah, no, 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 we, we're not there anymore. And I'm like, exactly, you know, <laughs> we're not there anymore. But you brought over the intellect from the post-fall or the pre-fall and not applied the fall to it. That's right. Again, conflating reasoning with reasoning. Yes. <laughs> There's two different definitions. Any right. That's, that's enough for right now. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Howe. Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. So many different uh, topics that, that we need to touch on. So, uh, I got, I, come I, back I, say again? I was just interrupting you to contribute to the free flow atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> every time you start talking, I'm just going to interrupt you. Oh, sorry, free flowing here. <laughs> uh, so I won't add to that uh, for now. Obviously, I have nothing to add to that, but uh, I'll turn it back over to our, uh, our tag. Well, I mean, they have a way, I mean, we can get into our side or whatever, but I mean, the main structure was tonight is to go through Romans 1 through 3 and uh, hit that Galatians sure passage. I want to make sure we deal but, yeah. with issues in John 1. Yeah, Not let's tonight. do it. Yeah. Do it tonight? If you want it, we, got, we got some time. Uh, Would you guys like to hear it? Yeah, I see. I see your hands out there. I don't know if you remember that. Debate. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> what was that debate? I... Oh, that was my God is a moral debate. But yeah, oh, gosh. let's not go in, into that. <laughs> I just, I just had like a poof of memory and went like, just, that'd be did funny. Did you say that in the debate or did he say he that? He did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I see your hands out there? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I see your hands yeah. out there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, if that you're going to be totally dishonest and reject all morals yeah. anyways. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to worry about yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's deal with John one. And this is something that um you know this is this is a problem that we have with Thomism. That um, is the, the key exegetical the Thomist problem. Thomist might not like us uh and might think it's a straw man that we do this, but you know, Thomism is not set upon scripture, but Thomas Aquinas read scripture, right? And so um there's an issue with uh John for yeah, John one nine. Yeah, particularly John 1, 9. Um, So Aquinas, and I am only giving what I believe is an accurate summary of my understanding, and so I don't want to pretend like I uh, know everything and know this in depth. This is my understanding, and it has been researched. I have looked it up. I have listened to lectures on it. I have read what Oliphant has said on it, and Adam is going to get more particular into that. But essentially... Thomas Aquinas reasons in simple terms that verse 9 of John chapter 1 is uh, has to do with man's ability to have natural reasoning. So according to Aquinas, this is the proof text for natural reasoning. John chapter 1 verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, I'm preaching through John. Yeah. I have done some serious exegetical work in John. Uh, For me, that is not what John is saying. You have to remember that many in the church have been at this time, Thomas Aquinas is also impacted by this in his exegesis, but they are essentially not going to be, uh, I'm going to put it in the time-wise, the idea of exegeting scripture and the manner and method in which we would do would not be the same. Why is that? The Roman Catholic Church was going to tell you, here's what scripture means. Mm -hmm. So, what you could do is essentially 
look at scripture and specifically with the Old Testament, you know, the idea is that of an interpretive lens of, uh, uh, how can I, I'm trying to think here of the term and I apologize. My, uh, my mind has been a little messed up with my antibiotics. So forgive <laughs> me. Um, but essentially your school of exegesis is basically that of an analogy, an analogous, right? Yeah. There is nothing in the text here about reasoning, but Aquinas makes, and this is according to Oliphant in summary of Dave Van Bever, yeah. right? Essentially, Aquinas makes his argument that, see, look, the true light, which give lights to everyone, that's natural reason. Okay, everyone has yeah, me, an ability me. to reason. Yeah, so Thomas, so Thomas Aquinas has said about John 1, 9, however, if we bear in mind these distinctions and take world from the standpoint of its creation and enlighten as referring to the light of natural reason, the statement of the evangelist is beyond reproach for all men coming into this visible world are enlightened by the light of natural knowledge through participating in this true light, which is the source of all the light of natural knowledge participated in by man, which that's nothing, anything in the the text who was coming into the world at the time were men. Coming into the world? No, a man was coming into the world. And his life was light. His life is the light of men. That That's Jesus Christ. That's not man's natural reasoning. Now, can man be enlightened by Christ? Yes. How? Well, knowledge of Christ. I mean, people preach the gospel all the time. The church preaches the gospel. They're enlightened by Christ. Governments are enlightened by by the there law of God, by the people. Nothing about reasoning in this. No. This is salvific language. Yes. This is nothing to do with man's ability to reason. In fact, if it had anything to do with man's ability to reason, right, it would be all over this first chapter. But what is John doing at the beginning of this? There's a few things that John's doing in this text. The first thing he's doing is he's writing the last gospel and he's saying, hey, I'm going to fill in the gaps where the other guys didn't get things. I'm going to make it very clear. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to mirror the language of Genesis chapter one. Yeah. In the beginning. That is an intentional piece. This is the eternal gospel. Bingo. The next thing, I am going to demonstrate that Christ not only was the creator, he is part of the triune God. Why would I say that? Because, again, your strongest arguments for the doctrine of the Trinity, not saying that you can't make really good arguments from all the other ones, but if you want to get into the deep arguments of the Trinity, look how Jesus talks about the paraclete in John chapter 14, 15, 16. Very clear. Doctrine of the Trinity, all over the place. Deity of Christ. Again, John is dealing with the proto-gnostics. He is making, this has nothing to do with man's natural reasoning. Like, I'm not the first person to say this. Yeah. Pick up a commentary by any Protestant. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is nothing with reasoning in there. Yeah, but I guess if you need it for your apologetics, I mean, if you need it to fit with Aristotle, if you want, you know, and we've got the claim uh, against us that, um, you know, Van Til is rooted in Kant, even though he argues against Kant all the time in the philosophy. Um, he's trying to remain transcendent because we have the transcendent principles in the scriptures, though we can recognize things. Um, but, you know, if you're going to talk about Aquinas, then you have to find your origins in uh, trying to syncretize Aristotle and scripture. 
and there's where it's definitely um you know where where commitments were made and um the philosophy of man won um because that's what man likes to do is uh, agree with itself over against god um so that's that's you know that's my position on on that but yeah whenever you get into aquinas as far as i've gotten into it you know still um it's just it's still rooted in rome rooted in those things that the protestants had to that you know that the reformation dealt with um you know they say stuff about like how calvin would have held on okay he's a human he can be inconsistent that's fine um we can have a fight over what who calvin was just like the protestants and catholics fight over over augustine you know so we we can fight over man but you know that's the problem with you um a, a problem with that apologetic method you know um, is uh, man oriented, man like pragmatic oriented, and stuff like that. And we're just trying to be faithful to what the text says, uh, what we believe we should do. Um, that's our success method. Um, God's going to do with what, do with it what He's going to do. Um, anyway, um, but, Sorry, that, that, but you know, no, that's fine. But you no, know, that's fine. But that's that's just that's just the point, you know. And I know it's also been said that I think uh, I caught just a little bit of whenever they did a recap the other day. Um, and they were talking about, you know, maybe, and I, I would totally agree with uh, what Richard Howe said is that um, maybe we're afraid to uh, lose this type of uh, methodology because we find it, you know, like you can't separate covenantal theology um, from our apologetic methodology, um, you know, without, you know, having to lose covenantalism, right? Um, and so, but he's like, you know, but it's totally fine because, you know, people like R.C. Sproul are covenantal, yet they're classical. And I'm like, that again exposes that your results oriented in looking at the results of what mankind does with something. Yes. And that's not where we're at. We're not, we don't care what happens, what man does. That's right. We don't care about man's results. Dude, I, just lo- I love that you're saying that. <laughs> I, I care about being faithful to scripture. And if the deci- right. if the apostles never said, do you want to, do you believe in the existence of God? Because I've got to argue that first. No, they came to town going, God, exist and you must repent because you know him he has provided for you he's given you sunshine and rain and you spit in his face but hey there's this beautiful thing called the gospel and jesus came and he died for sinners he didn't have to but he did and he you can find life in him and he can be your light that's what i want to preach and that's why apologetics and the gospel are though they are separate and distinct things they interrelate and you keep on trying to separate things just like francis safer says about christians and uh at his time he said that they see in parts and pieces and not totals and i'm trying to look at the total and the parts and pieces together bingo travis herenic gives us a great verse and i should have been able to pull this up how does john talk about jesus being the light or what does he highlight that jesus said about being light well what happens in John chapter 12? Well, there's a few things that you probably want to know about what's going on here in John chapter 12, right? Yeah. Jesus is pointing out to a very key piece when he says, I'm going to start with 44, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. Mm-hmm. Salvific language. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. He's God. Hmm, very interesting. Seems like John's onto something here. Mm-hmm. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Does he mean that 
they'll have right reasoning or does he mean that they'll be saved? Yeah. Well, there let's see what he says after that. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him for I have, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus also says another place. I am the light of the world. Key piece in that idea because mm-hmm. Jesus is being again, very clear about the reality that he is God and that language about being the light of the world is salvific language. Again, Jesus, excuse me, John is very clear about the way that he deals with Jesus being the light of the world. That's at the end of eight, if I remember right. In fact, uh, give me one second here because I would, yeah. Um, how about eight verse 12? Now, here's something that I can tell you about this. In John chapter eight, when Jesus is speaking here, right, about being the light of the world, yeah. um, this is during the Feast of Tabernacles. So, give you a little bit of brief Jewish uh, Hebrew backgrounds here. The Feast of Tabernacles was essentially, and again, being very generic here and broad brush strokes, was a time of remembering the light leading them out of Egypt through the Promised Land. Tabernacles, they had the tabernacle. There were lights all over, candles, right? Burning lights all over the uh, temple area, right? Yeah. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is pointing to Moses, right, leading the leading the Jews through the uh, desert, following the light by night, the fire by night. Yeah, and he is saying, "That's me." Amen. Amen. This is an abuse of the text, very clearly. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is how John talks about Jesus. These are the things that John is pointing out. So to try to reason from the idea, ah, light of the world in John 1 is, is, is natural reasoning. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's revelation. Everything is revelation. And from start I'm to finish. I'm glad that we talked yeah. about this. Oh, no, no, it's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything is revelation. And, you know, the, the issue is, is God has given us revelation. He's given us revelation in nature, and he has unilaterally done so. Um, Nature doesn't exist because we agree that it exists. It exists no matter what. It's objective. And we need to treat this objectively instead of subjectively. We need to make sure that whenever the atheist says that they're an atheist, we say, no, you're not. You're anti-God. You hate him. You're a God-hater. And so whenever you let an atheist believe that they're an atheist, would you, uh, by the same token, Dr. Howe, would you? Are you a person that lets somebody that believes, like if they're a man, that they're a woman? Are you okay with that? Because that's what you're doing whenever you agree with the atheist. You're letting somebody believe something that is not true about them. Because the ultimate measure of truth is scripture itself. Yeah, and so it's one of those things I can be kind in that fact with the you know with somebody that says they're an atheist. I can be I can be I. It's one of those things I I can be like, well, no, 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 no. I I know you your positive claim you can't make sense of it that's right i can be kind with that i can be kind with uh with the uh 
the trans person that says, Hey, I'm, I, I was born with this, but I'm not this. I can be kind in the same way, but I'm not going to let somebody who is sick remain in their sickness until they fix themselves. We, um, we need to help. We need, we need to be the means that we are supposed to be by making disciples. And I, again, I can't offer, um, I can't offer anything to be, um, the ultimate standard over God because right. he is the ultimate standard. So dude, I think that's it. Here's what I would say. We would love to discuss this further. We would love to have yeah. a dialogue again, um, through the live stream. Um, Adam and I have agreed that we would gladly, once we get over some of these COVID restrictions, we would gladly travel to North Carolina yeah. to engage you. Um, I believe we are credentialed. Uh, I believe that we are certainly uh, willing and able participants. We're both well-read. We're both able to uh, represent a position correctly. So we would certainly be glad to, we would pay the cost to go to North Carolina to meet you at SES and have a face-to-face dialogue, if you would like. We would like to have a formal debate in that but we would pay all of our expenses to come and do that. We would certainly be glad to do that. We would be glad to deal with a proposition. Um, Romans chapter one affirms natural reasoning or yeah, John some, chapter some one sort affirms of, yeah. natural we can, we can reasoning. We can work on, yeah, we'll definitely we work with certainly with on a, with be on a happy to work within a good proposition um, and agreed time constraints with cross-examination. Yeah. But it, you know, next time, if you want to talk about presuppositionalism, please let us know that that's what you want to do. Um, you know, be clear in what you want to talk about. If you want to talk about inerrancy, let's talk about inerrancy. We'd love to. I know Dave would love to. Um, and uh, let's let's keep things fair. Um, you know, let's not have any ulterior motives. Again, you know, we don't want to uh, shoot accusations just to shoot accusations. Um, but you know, we we haven't come out and said anything. We because we, we don't want to fight. We don't want to fight. Um, but we do argue what we have to argue arguments, arguing the arguments, not the person. Mm. Um, we love you guys and, uh, yeah. we want to make sure that, uh, we're friendly, but then again, you know, uh, truth does divide. And if we have antithetical notions of truth, that's going to be divisive and we need to make sure that we're remaining calm, that we're not, um, just trying to find ways to not talk with each other. We need to talk. Um, you know, and I, I want to make sure that we have a part two to where we can talk and that we can be brothers. So yeah. in that, so yeah, I think, uh, we covered what we needed to cover tonight with that one. Um, yeah. uh, we'll figure out, I think, uh, there's the article that we still have to deal with in this. There's the, uh, oh, yeah. their Gosh, recap yeah. and stuff. I so I think, you know, that, that's the main issue I think is because we didn't cover, uh, Romans one in the discussion. Um, I think, uh, that's, I think we can almost put this discussion to rest in a way um, with that, uh, but we can move on to the other things like the article and then the recap of, you know, listening to that and kind of finding some pinpoint ideas um, um, with their position and their thoughts on our position um, from their recap. So next week, no live stream, but we will have podcast available, but the week after that, June 8th, Lord willing, we will have Colton, right on and adam and i will also deal with some memes yeah we'll deal with some memes of colton right and uh you know just uh still putting that out there if um if he sees this dr toe um if you want to hey he added me as a friend by the way cool 
Well, yeah, Dr. Toe, if you want to uh, come on and talk with us either in the studio or over the phone, you're more than welcome to um, do that. We could do that on the 8th as well. We can do that the next week, just whatever aligns with uh, Dave's schedule because, you know, but uh, we'd like to have that talk. So, you know, the, the content keeps on coming in. The con- life uh, gives us content. It's beautiful that we can speak the gospel into so much, in so many areas because it uh, should affect every area of life. And That's right. So, but with that said, I guess we'll end the show. This is the Tag Year at Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And four shows in. Four shows in one day. Yes, we made it to the finish line. So, with that said, Soli. Deo. Gloria.